Welcome back to another Share Your Light episode. And as I've said many times, I absolutely love doing these episodes because it's a chance for you to meet someone else in our community of listeners who is truly stepping into their power, their light, their purpose, they're following the muse, they're realizing that they've connected with what makes them unique and special to share with other people. And today we have this incredible writer with us, Kristen Kozlowski. She's a writer, healer, entrepreneur, and mom, but not always in that order. She spent the last 20 years as a licensed massage therapist and Reiki practitioner in the suburbs of Chicago, Illinois, where she owns a metaphysical spa and specializes in speaking with angels and spirit animals. Since 2017, Kristen has been writing and publishing flash fiction and flash creative nonfiction that deal with themes of family, grief, and the female experience. In 2022, she decided to merge her metaphysical life with her writing life, which culminated in her writing and publishing a novelette like a compass in her bones. This book features a highly intuitive main character that secretly helps souls cross to the other side while struggling with concepts of family, motherhood, and what it means to live a normal life. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you so very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you today. And I say this a lot, but I only say it if I really mean it. What I love, love, love about your energy is that you are so true. You're so connected with who you really are. And you're doing the, everything that you're doing in this work, even in the, the beautiful writing, it feels like it's service work for you. This is how can I bring through my conduit from spirit and share this with other people? Do you feel that that is kind of the premise of your work as well? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like spirit really has my number. I think spirit knows I'll do anything if it'll help somebody else. And everything in my life that spirit has kind of given me, it's it's always been with that spin on it. Somebody needs your help, Kristen. And then that's where that's exactly where I go. And spirit knows it. Spirit knows 100%. If somebody needs help, Kristen's going to jump jump at the chance to help them. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I think, a role many of us play as empaths, as intuitives, as sensitives. And you're in this caring profession as a massage therapist and a a healer and a write, all these other things. How did you jump into the writing? Because I think we have a lot of listeners who are, I want to write, I want to publish. I am going to say this so many times, so please bear with me. Kristen is a damn good writer. And I do not say that lightly. I am the bitch that will pick up a book and say, how the hell did this get published? So that is such a a compliment from my heart, honestly. So I feel like through the words, your character development, the scene, you fall right through the looking glass with this. Is that something that really calls to your heart to be the writer? Because you're so damn good at the other things you do. But is this really your soul thing? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I've known since I was a little girl, I was meant to be a writer. And like a lot of people, I, I put it on, I put it on a shelf. Why do we do that? You know, so many things in society and our family units, and we just get caught up in all this weird muck. But I no, I always knew when I was very small, probably reading was my biggest hobby and writing was my second biggest hobby. I did it all the time. I used to write stories. I wrote a full novel when I was like nine. <laughs> it wasn't wow. any, no one but my mom read it. <laughs> but uh, yes, I think I published for the first time. 
outside of like school, like an actual literary environment when I was uh, like 11. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I know. I know. And I went to college out of high school for English writing Mm because that's what called to me. I didn't know what else to do. And I come from a blue collar family. So I wasn't really thinking be a writer. I don't know. I just wasn't. And I thought I would go to college and find my place in editing or publishing or something like that. And I just didn't. So I actually took a job out of college in non-for-profit work because again, if people need help, (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know I abandoned my path, I think is what I did. But two, looking back, I always had the inspiration to write but I didn't always have the discipline to see it through, at least not the types of work that I was interested in. I could get small poems done. I could get shorter things done, but I wanted to write something longer and I just wasn't disciplined enough. You know, I was young. I was in my twenties. I was doing my own thing. And I wasn't, I wasn't putting myself into that state of mind and creating those good habits and sitting down and making myself a writer, right? I was living my life and not creating a writer's life. And I didn't come back to writing um, for a long time. I worked in non-for-profit for a few years, and then I got the call to be a massage therapist. And when you look at it, at my life as a whole, you're like, of course, that's how you can help people, right? So I became a massage therapist. I did that for a long time. I became a Reiki practitioner. I merged the two very beautifully. And right about when I was becoming a Reiki practitioner, as with a lot of people who kind of get attuned into that energy, my natural intuition just started blossoming. And that just made me really good at my job. (laughs) Because when you're a massage (laughs) therapist and a Reiki practitioner, you're already in a focused state. You're already setting the intention to help somebody in a very organic way, you're already in a very fluid and calm environment, right? And so my intuition just started really developing, other entities started coming into my Reiki sessions, even my massage sessions to help because I was setting this really strong intention of let me help this person in any way that I can. And so I started using these intuitive abilities and I just started kind of finding my way that way. And it wasn't until about 2017 that I came back to writing and said, no, Kristen, I'd always kept it up, but never very focused. And I said, no, Kristen, now's the time. You have to figure this out. Okay. So there are so many beautiful things in that. In the number one, spirit kept bringing it back. Yeah. You've always known you were supposed to do this, but spirit kept bringing it back. And I found that over and over and over. If you're really meant to do this, whether it's intuitive work or becoming a massage therapist or running a company. And it's always in the back of your mind, spirit will make sure that they keep giving you the opportunity and you always have free will, whether or not you want to tap in and and say, okay, I'm, I'm doing this now. What were some of the steps you did to establish your writing practice? Because that feels like it was a real strong pivot for you to be able to say the words out of your own mouth. I'm a writer. That is one, a very difficult thing to say, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't Mm -hmm. be, but for so many of us, it is to speak the truest sentence that's in your heart can be the hardest thing you'll do your entire life. And it was very difficult. I think the pivot for me, 2017, and we've, we've talked about this. I was listening to an episode of enlightened empaths and you quoted somebody and I can't even tell you who you quoted, (laughs) but I can paraphrase what you said. And you said that 
prayer is talking to God and meditation is listening to God. Mm-hmm. And I thought right at that second, it, you know, it, it hit me in my heart in a way that it does only when spirit talks directly to you. And I knew in that second that I wanted to be a good listener of God. So I started meditating, yeah. but I had three kids. I had a husband. I had a career. I didn't feel like I had time to meditate. So I started with three minutes a day. Right. And usually on my lunch break, uh-huh. <laughs> because I could cut my eating time a little bit. Meditation, <laughs> I didn't think I could cut anything else. Uh-huh. So that was the start of it because it was the start of me carving out little sections in my life to make a space for myself, for my path, for my purpose. And so right about that time, I started meditating every day and I started writing every day. And that meant figuring out what was a good time to write. And I tricked myself for a long time and tried to say, after the kids go to bed, that's right. Such a terrible idea. Why do you think that? (laughs) So if you're out there and you want to be a writer and you're not, you're not achieving your goals, see if you can switch up the time that you write because I'm not a morning person, but wouldn't you know, if I wake up at 545, climb out of bed and immediately start writing, it is hands down better than anything I could write at 10 o'clock at night, for Mm -hmm. sure. So that was the start. 2017 was the start of just creating those habits. If you want to be a writer, you have to write every day. That's the way it goes. You can't just read and say, oh, I'd like to do this one day and call yourself a writer. You have to actually take those steps. So 2017 was a, a big pivot. Even though I'd always been writing, it was a commitment to writing. It wasn't just let me follow this inspiration and then stop when a new inspiration hit and follow that. So do you still keep to that practice of writing every day? I do. I do. I I wouldn't say it's a hundred percent. Of course, we all have Mm -hmm. those days, but I wake up 545 every morning and I roll out of bed. And the first thing I do is put words on paper. That's the first thing I do every morning. Personal opinion. I think it becomes part of who you are and not what you do. It's just a normal part of the day. Also is that right out of bed, the world is still fairly quiet. All of those things are clearer energy connection. Do you feel that your work is a collaborative effort with spirit or do you feel that, do you feel that your increase in your connection with spirit has improved your writing skills that it it meshes the two together? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that 99% of my inspiration comes directly from spirit. I always say, I feel like a mailbox sometimes Mm -hmm. there and then boop, spirit just dropped (laughs) an idea and it's like, okay. That's a great idea. And once you know, it's always 100% better than any idea I've come up with on my own, you know, and those are those pieces that spirit collaborates with. I mean, sometimes there's very little editing that even has to be done. They just come right off the pen so clearly. And those are the ones that get published the fastest, that get the most fanfare, that people respond to the most, because it's coming from such a divine spot that people connect to it so quickly. And me as a human, to get through all my human mess, to get that nugget takes a lot more time. So I do have some pieces that are more 
this is what Kristen wanted to say in that moment. But most of them, <laughs> most of them are not what Kristen wanted to say in that moment. Most of them, I open up the mailbox, see what's there, read message from spirit. Okay, let's go on this path. And it's definitely, honestly, it's like the path of least resistance when you're working in collaboration with spirit like that. And when spirit's really strong and really guiding the sentences, it is so peaceful and so beautiful. And you look back and you think, dang it, that came from such a great place. Yes. And you can feel that in your writing because there are certain expressions that you use and certain ways that you you wordsmith that they're unique. It's not just trite, repetitive. It's, it's very, very unique. And it, it came to my mind several times when I was reading it of this is just coming so through her, not from her. With the book, Like a Compass in Her Bones, the storyline is fantastic. Is that, I just have to know from a personal, is that something you've ever experienced with that soul work with helping souls cross? Or did that come through as a, as just an inspiration? Oh, well, no, thank you for saying that. But yes, the soul work is work that I do. It's one of the things I say spirits ask me to do four things in my life. And one of the things is to help souls cross over. And um, yeah, that's work. I started out doing it in like a dream state. When I practice Reiki, for instance, I do a thing where I say I call my spirit up. And I'm sure everyone calls it something different. But it's where your physical sense sinks down and your spiritual sense enhances, right? And then you can look out of your soul eyes and your physical eyes here with your soul ears, right? And one night I was going to bed and this is after I had been meditating for years and kind of building up that practice. And I was falling asleep. You know, when you're in that, that state where you're falling asleep, like if, if a kid called out, you would hear them, but if they don't call out a second time, you're going to fall asleep. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I was in that state. And suddenly I felt my spirit self rise up in my physical. And I thought, wow, that's never happened. And, and then I was calmed out and I was asleep. Mm -hmm. And when I woke up in my dream state, I was looking through my spirit eyes, not through my physical eyes. And so it was very, it was very surreal. And that was my first experience helping souls cross over. I now do it in meditation, but I Mm -hmm. used to do it um, in my dreams. And like Emily, she calls it the tunnel of souls. I never Mm -hmm. named it until I, until I wrote this book, but there was a tunnel in front of me and there were people around me and they said exactly what spirit would say to me, somebody in there needs help. And what did I say? I'll go help them (laughs) (laughs) like always. And that was my first experience. I went into the, the tunnel and I helped two souls that night. And actually my first trip into the tunnel to help souls, one soul did need to cross over and one soul didn't. One soul needed to follow me out of the tunnel. He was just lost. And once we wow. came out, he could find other people that could help him on the rest of his journey. You know, my piece of that puzzle was was done. Um, but I did that for quite a while in my dream state until um, I had a child who was waking up a lot in the middle of the night. And I started being a little worried if he wakes up and my soul is is helping other souls. What does that look like? Um, Would that scare him? And so I asked spirit, can I take a break from this? And I said very honestly, what my concern is, my concern is being in the stream state and, and then also having to care for a child. And spirit was like, yeah, no problem. The next time I meditated, 
guess what happened? <laughs> Sala said to me, help cross over. <laughs> so it was like, we got you. We can solve this problem. Yeah. You don't need to be sleeping. <laughs> so when you were having this happen during dreams, did you remember it in the morning or was it just you didn't know that it was actually happening. Oh no, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. I remember it in really great detail. And uh, you could still hear the voices. You could still feel the way wow. the souls would touch you. Um, the gentleman I let out, for instance, I could still feel the way he patted me. I could still feel his gratitude when he was thanking me for getting him out. I could still feel that. Oh yeah, no, you remember it in absolute clarity. Years later, I could tell you exactly where everything was, what people look like. Yeah. And that's such a sign that it was another realm that you went into. You were just that description that you just gave is similar to when someone gets a dream visitation from a loved one who's passed. You just want to go back to sleep and experience it more. Is it the same clarity in the meditation that you had in the dream? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. In fact, in the book, it opens with a scene where the main character is crossing a young child over. And that that child is, she is based off of a, a little girl that I helped at one point. And I could write her exactly, you know, even if it'd been years, I could write her exactly how she was. It is, it's so clear. I could close my eyes and see the whole thing all over again. And this is a novelette. So it's a very quick read, but it's a very deep read in the sense of it makes you start thinking about stuff. But one of the little things that you talk about is the, the character, Emily, who has to balance her real life with this other world that she's stepping into. When you're doing that level of soul work, do you find an odd shift in the balance of your regular everyday life of, oh, I have to get the kids lunch ready for school, or I have to make sure I get the oil changed in my car, or, you know, just those everyday normal things that we do? I, I think it can be difficult to balance everything in your life. And I think if you're an intuitive and you're doing intuitive work, it's one more thing you have to learn to balance. I think I agree. First started, it was hard to come back from that state because I liked it so much and I was learning so quickly and I loved it. And I was almost like resentful that I had to get the oil changed, but I'm much better with it now. As your intuition grows and as you start melding it with the rest of your life, there isn't such a delineating line like there is for Emily in here. She very much is keeping part of it secret and leaving living her other life. And I did that for a while too. I was working as an intuitive, but I was writing as a normal girl, right? And there was yeah. definitely a shift when I decided to, to meld the two and say, no, Kristen, you need to start writing about the metaphysical world that you love, that you inhabit, that you work in, why are you separating the two? And so the more I meld the two worlds, the easier it is because there's not such a a strong line. You know, you start realizing you can treat everyone with your spirit eyes, the way you would treat your Reiki clients. You don't have to bounce back and forth as much as you maybe thought you had to. (laughs) It's a really, really important point because it becomes who you are and not what you do. And it emanates into all areas of your life. But if you are doing both where you're, you have an, say an intuitive practice, but then a corporate job and you have to have that division, 
Personally, I think that eventually they, the two roads meld together beautifully. Those rivers converge and we say, okay, I am going to integrate these parts of my life because don't you find that it just gets so strong that you can't ignore it anymore? That it's just like, okay, are you going to do this or not? Step up, it's time. And I feel like that's what happened to you with the writing getting stronger, the character, because this feels like you're writing about a dear friend. It feels like you're telling someone's story that you experienced with them. Is that the basis of a lot of your writing now is the metaphysical stuff more so than, or is it everything? Oh no, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. When I turned that corner, I was like, you know, what? there's no going back. I don't know why I would write a character if they weren't also an intuitive. When you think about what people say to writers, what's the first thing they say? They say, write about what you know, right? Why wouldn't I write about that? Right? So now there's that door has been open. There's no locking it anymore. <laughs> Do you find that you get a lot of people that are drawn to your work that may not be familiar with this world? And they respond differently, right? So some people look at the novelette and they'll talk about the intuitive portions of it, right? And they'll talk about the crossing of souls over and how does that work? And is that something you've done? Obviously, that's something you can pick up on. But other people will look at Emily as a mom. Right. And they'll look at her relationship with her son. And that's what they'll talk about. And other people will look at her relationship with her husband or her mother-in-law. And they'll see the secrets in their families. And they'll talk about familial secrets mm-hmm. and things like that. So it touches people in different, different ways. And I also secretly keep a log of who cries when they read the novelette and who didn't. Because I think... Did Cried. <laughs> You can put me on the cry side. (laughs) I I was surprised. The first person who said they cried, that surprised me. And then a lot of people started saying it made them cry. And that surprised me. But I think if spirit was speaking to you directly through the words, then you got emotional. You felt that emotional release. And some people just aren't there yet. But they can appreciate other parts of the book. And hopefully they'll come back to it one day. And be at a different state. You know, everyone's in a different position on their journey. So and the the part that really tugged at my heartstrings was her childhood and how because there is this underlying theme in the book of the trauma, the grief, the the very unique lifestyle. I don't want to give away the whole story, but I thought of again, so indicative of many people that do really intense healing work or soul work or transitional work. They've had trauma, grief, loss. They've had situations in their life that they've had to overcome. And you thread that beautifully into the story. It doesn't become the whole story, but it it is a premise for all of the other things that happen. Uh, and there's just, this is one of those books that you could read at once and say, wow, that was a cute story. That was nice. That was fun. But then the more you think about it, and I love, love, love fiction that makes me think because it, it gets in your head and you're like, oh my gosh, and this and this and this. So with that, you're still continuing. Okay. I'm sure people want to know you started at three minutes. How many minutes a day do you meditate now? Roughly 20. Okay. If I have time, I'd like to do more, but I, I definitely try to fit in a solid 20. But see, 20 is doable. That's exactly why I do it. Because it is doable. <laughs> right. I still have the 
three kids. I still have a yeah. whole life, you know, um, <laughs> a lot more than three minutes, you know, I feel yes. like a long way. So um, who knows, maybe one day I'll get to more of that. Um, you or never- maybe you don't need to. You know, if you think cognitively, our attention span is about 20 minutes. So that's perfect. Yeah. Right now, Uh, it just, and that's been years at 20 minutes. So it's not like a goal to get anything farther than that. But it just, right now, it fits. And that's what I'm looking for in my life. What fits, right? And it's, I have to say the same line again. It's part of your day, it's part of your life. It's not, oh, damn it, I have to go meditate now because I'm trying to build my connection with spirit. It just becomes. So some people do morning pages, some people meditate, some people run or or uh, do something crafty and they get in the zone that way. But it's a matter of showing up and just doing it. So one of the things that you offer, I'm going to jump the fence a little bit, is angel poems. This is something that you offer as a service for people. And that just fascinates the hell out of me. No you know, not being disrespectful to the angelic realm by swearing, but what, what, what's involved in that? Because again, it's through the writing, through the channel piece for you. So if I wanted uh, an angel poem from you, what would be the process for that? Yeah, no worries. You would fill out a contact form on my website. And so I get an email just saying, Hey, Denise is looking for an angel poem. And then I contact you and um, we work it out. What happens is Um, I go into meditation and I call it my spirit self and I ask your angels what they want you to know the most today. And this is what spirit came to me one day when I was paddleboarding and said, do this, tap into people's energy and hear the messages that spirit wants them to hear the most. And uh, so that's what I do. And I don't allow for, don't show me, don't let me feel, you know, I, I strip away those clairs and I say, I'm ready to hear. I'm ready to hear what Denise needs to know the most today. And then I just listen and the angels just start talking to me. And I actually just repeat exactly what they're saying because I can't tap type as fast as they write. I can type pretty fast, right? But as fast as they talk. So I speak it into a voice recorder. And then when we're done, I usually let them go five to 10 minutes, depending on how many are speaking, how fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we're done, I release them. I thank them for their time. And then I go to my computer and I just transcribe exactly what they said. And it usually looks like a free form poem, which is why wow. I call them angel poems. And, uh, and then I just email it directly to you. And in the email, I have a disclaimer because a lot of A lot of people do feel very strong emotions when they read these because Mm -hmm. they're spoken directly to your heart. And I do warn people, please be in a spot where you feel comfortable reading this in case you get emotional with it. And then in the email, I also give a little summary, things that were repeated very often to you that spirit maybe wants you to pay attention to. So I'll kind of highlight some of those. This came up very often. Or if there was something very unusual, because now that I've done, you know, hundreds, I can say, well, this is the first time they phrase it like this, or the first time this has been brought up. So I think this is very unique to you because you're not going to know that when you get your poem, it's going to be the only one you've read, you know, or maybe you and you could compare yours. But, um, but I, I like to highlight those few things. And then you get a word document that you could just open up and it's got your poem and everything exactly how your angel said it. 
is exactly what's there. Okay. So I have a couple, a couple few questions about that. Not being so New England with that expression, couple few, <laughs> but the, so two things, when you go to the, the, the fluidity between the realms is much uh, more flexible, more fluid than it's ever been. So for me to go to the ancestors or to loved ones in spirit, that's one level. If I go to guides, if I go, the angelic realm is an even higher frequency, but now it feels like we're on this elevator and we're able to go up and down and into these different places pretty much at will in a way that's never been happened because I think we're all evolving. So do you feel a huge difference between your energetic state with the soul work in meditation versus when you're connecting with the angelic realm to bring through these messages? And I love that you mentioned that you shut off all the other clear clairs and say, just give me what I need for this person so that you're not putting it through your own filter, which you might have to do in some of your other work. But do you feel a, a difference energetically? I wouldn't say that it internally, I don't feel a difference. I mean, once I call my spirit up, that's what I feel kind of no matter what work I do. Um, so once, once I get that, that seesaw the way it needs to be for me to connect, that's kind of how I feel. But when the angels come near me close enough that I could hear them, I can feel their vibration. So that's how I know I have the right, uh, the right entity. I can feel their vibration in my orc field. And then I know, okay, and let's, let's listen now. Now I gotcha. Let's listen. And then I'll, we'll step away. Okay. So you said a couple times that the angels for Denise. So are you connecting with an angel specifically with my energy or are you going to a team of angels and bringing through a more, okay, well, Raphael is here and Metatron's or is it specific to the individual? Yeah. So for these poems specifically, I go directly to your energy and get your angels and nice. I ask for your angels to speak to me. So the angels that are in charge of Denise, please tell me what she needs to know. Mm -hmm. When the world is in turmoil, does it seem that there's a correlation between that collective energy that we all need to hear and what the individual needs to hear? Well, that's a very good question. So when I speak to angels about the collective, and what do we need to hear? It sounds very different than when I'm talking to an individual's angels about the individual. I can say that one thing that I get a lot for the collective and that I get a lot for people individually that is the same or very similar has to do with the way we treat people, right? So when I'm talking for you specifically, they will tell me specific directions for you, um, things they see in your heart, if you're grieving, if you're focused on something. Um, but when they talk about how we treat other people, uh, you know, and a lot of times what they say is, let it go. It's not your place. Once in a while, they will say, take up arms against this person or this thing, right? So once in a while, they will say that. Um, but a lot of times they'll say, we are dealing with this. Please let it go. Please don't provoke this. Right. So that is one thing that I get with the collective a lot. And that's one thing that will come through in people's personal homes as well. Somebody is doing this to you. 
but now is not the time to deal with them, or we are dealing with them shortly, just have patience. So that sort of patience with other people, that sort of stepping back, don't light the fuse yourself, have a little bit more sympathy for what's going on around you and letting those people be them. That sometimes they say step away, definitely. Sometimes they say step away, you don't need those people in your life. But very seldom do they say light that fire. And I think as humans, we like to light that fire a little bit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, I think, a correlation that I see between the collective and the individual experience is, is how spirit wants us to treat the people around us, right? With a little bit more dignity, patience, understanding. I love, love, love that answer. And that's one of the things that I know that the world is upside down right now, but I, in my heart, feel like everything we're going through is to bring us all together as human beings on the planet in unity. I really believe that. And that what you're saying is you're getting that same message from this collective angelic realm is, or the angelic message for the collective is to see with love, compassion, kindness, understanding, so that we can realize that we are all a species together here on the planet, that we're not it's not us against them, which leads me into my next part of your work with spirit animals, because the animals are, you know, if we get into the, you know, we're all species, we're all here, we're all part of it, rather than we're separate from, as empaths, many of us have that connection with, with the animal world, but how is your connection with spirit animals connecting with all your other work as well? Like, is that another subset of what you do, or is it part of your whole picture? Oh, I think everything's a part of my whole picture. (laughs) I wouldn't know how to separate stuff if I tried. The spirit animals started coming through during Reiki sessions. And Mm -hmm. just like any other entity, I might see an angel come through. I might see a guide come through. And then one day an animal just walked in. And I, I can remember my first spirit animal that ever came in in a session was a black panther. And when you're surrounded, surrounded, when you're in the room with a predatory animal, I don't care if it's in spirit form or not. You know it. You feel that energy. You Mm -hmm. pause for a minute. Let me let this predator take control of this room for a second and make sure he knows (laughs) that I'm here to help and heal and not to provoke. But the yeah, the animals just walked in one day and they just never left. And so, so I just started speaking to them like I'd speak to anybody, right? What can you tell me about helping this individual? Is there a message you want to give? them? Is there healing that you need to happen here? What is your role in the next part of their journey? And then that's what I would tell the client, right? So this spirit animal came in at this time. That's not your only spirit animal, but this is who is here with you today. And this is why they were here for you today. Right. And so, and then it became clients were just very interested. Like you said, people want to be reminded that we're a part of the natural world. And so people became very interested in that part of their healing session. And so that's when I started breaking it out and said, okay, if you just want me to speak to a spirit animal with still this sort of healing intention in mind, what do you need to know to move forward? What do you need to know about why this animal is with you right now? I can do that for you. So there are 15 minute sessions 
because I like to say animals are sprinters. They're not marathoners. They like to get in, they like to get out. They like, they're like, I'm done with you. You know, I already told you what you need to know. They don't, not like the angels, which will give me lots, lots of different aspects of your life. The animals are very focused on an aspect at that time. And, um, it doesn't take long, right? Just 15 minutes and we kind of connect till I tell you what it is. We talk about what the message is, what's going on in your life that maybe that spirit animal is trying to help you with. And uh, you get that nugget of clarity and then, and then that's it. And that's a really, really good point because people, I have done core shamanic practices and I've taught people how to go and find their power animal, how to work with spirit animals, but there will be different ones throughout your life. So a spider shows up a lot when people are trying to be creative or write or something else. You wouldn't think of that as being a spirit animal that would come in, but it's going to fit the need you have at the time. They're true. They don't have an agenda. They don't have ego. They're coming in with that pure energy to say, this person needs strength, or this person needs to know that they need to be a little wary, or they need to use their their cognitive ability and outthink this situation or, or get crafty. Or Do you find that as well, that the animals come in with such a true energy that it feels, you feel it differently? I feel the animals different than I do human energy. Oh, a- absolutely. I think you know when an animal's in the room with you versus some something else, for sure they're so attracted to our energy at that second, right? So something in us is calling them and think about how that might block us in our lives. If we're putting out one energy, we're not even conscious of or paying attention to, right? So I do think these spirit animals come, come through to try to help us shift so we can heal, so we can problem solve, so we can move on, um, whether we know it or not, right? Which calls it our energetic With the angelic realm, you're bringing through the messages that are specific to the person for where they are in their life right now, or whatever they're energetic. So you're reading the, you know, it's similar to when we do any kind of a reading and we say any, you know, thing that's into an intuition, divination, psychic is subject to change and free will, because that's, it's always on the energy you're reading right now. And you're doing the same thing when you bring in the animals, as far as this is specific to where that person is in their life. And I think that that's important to delineate with the animals because people might think, well, I always have my my power animal with me. I do think we have a main animal that travels with us, but we're going to have a variety that come through. Do you go into the same type of meditative state to connect with the animals and it's more about the intention you set going in? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. To me, it feels fairly similar. Um they feel different. Like say an angel's near me. I know how that feels an animal. They feel different um, than say an an angel, but then I'm not asking to hear as much. I'm just, I'm looking for the message in any way that you could get it to me. Right. So I can clairvoyantly see them fairly well. So I'll see what animal it is, but they don't, some of them I can hear um, clairvoyantly, but some of them I can't. And they, they feed it to me. That's more like a a mediumship session, right? So they're going to feed me the information any way they can, and they won't move on until I get it right. So I have to, you know, try to problem solve and put that puzzle together for them until they like, you know, give me a little pop. See you later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really important for people to to hear is the fact that it's more of a multi-sensory experience dealing with the animals. 
all this work, you're using your body as a barometer and a compass to say, okay, I'm going to ex- receive, but it's always receiving and it's always about being of service. Everything you've said, which I admire so, so greatly. Yeah. And I think spirit is sending us these people to remind us, right? To remind us of what we're here for, to put us back on our path, to heal us if we, if that's what we need, you know? And I think spirit is sending them to us and like, let's just open up, see what do you need <laughs> yeah. get you back on your path, get you back in, in the path that spirit has for you. And, and then let's all continue on and treat each other with kindness and respect. And, right. and that the animals are just Honestly, they're lovely to work with. I don't know why anyone wouldn't want to work with a spirit animal. They're just lovely. Well, because they're, for, for me, and maybe it's different for other people, they have that same, that same energy of a three-year-old. If you ask a three-year-old a question, they're going to be brutally honest with you. They are going to tell you. They are not, they're just as pure and true as they come. And I always think that if we could all spend one day acting like three-year-olds, we could figure out so much of the mess in the world, but story for another day. Now, you, you do have a book coming up around the spirit animals as, as well, correct? I do. You- I do. That should come out in June. And that, um, I met a lovely woman in a Hay House webinar, uh, maybe a year or two ago. Her name is Susie Jones and um, she's from the UK and she's a beautiful healer and a writer. And she started a pocketbook series, which is basically for healers. She asked a bunch of healers that she knows to write a very short book, you know, pocket edition about a healing modality that you do that would help people. And um, as soon as she said to me, Kristen, would you like to write a book for this pocketbook series? It was like the mailbox was opened and <laughs> animal just was spotted in. And that was all I could think of was spirit animals. Yes, that's. And so, yeah, I agreed to be a part of her pocketbook series, which is turning out to be just a really lovely series. Um, so that'll be published in June and it's called the spirit animal challenge. And what it is, I thought, I thought it would be very scientific. I would go through past notes on clients and different spirit animals and sort of see what unifying messages they were giving. And I thought, well, this is how I'm going to do it. And spirit jumped in the next meditation. It was like, no, 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 (laughs) that's not a good way to do that. Kristen, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you spirit animals and you're going to ask them what's the message they have for this book specifically. So that's what I started doing. I started going into meditation for the intention of I'm looking for a spirit animal that wants to be included into this book, has a message that people need to hear now. Please give me that message and we'll continue on our way. And that's what happened. These animals lined up and I spent a few months meditating and and meeting with these different animals. And then I spent another few months calling them back and asking if I got their message correct. (laughs) Just double check it. Just be sure. And then I, so then I, and then I put this book together. So that should come out in June. And the challenge is here is the animal. Here is their message for you. The challenge is how can you put this to work in your life then? And it's meant to be, if you just want to read it, go ahead, but you could also flip it open. What do I need to hear today? What do I need to know this month and see what spirit animal has to say to you? And then what's that challenge, right? How can you put forward that energy in your life to help move you forward on your path. So you can use it as 
information, but also as an oracle. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the beginning has the whole thing on what are spirit animals? How can we connect to them? Why are they important for us at this stage of our evolution? Right. Um, But then it's got 36, 36 different animals came through. And some of them I've worked with lots of times. Some of them I'd never even met before. One of them, I didn't even know what it was. I had to use Google. I was like, you know what? I, I see you and I know you have a message for me, but let me just double check what I should call you. I've never, you know, I've never met you. And uh, I had to look up what this animal could be. I'm Googling what the animal looks like. And the right. ermine. I don't know if you know what an ermine is. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. Okay. So, yeah, also called a stout when it's brown. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I didn't know that. And then I had to go back into meditation and say, okay, Ermine, <laughs> I know who you are now. And I'm so sorry. Thank you for your patience. While I figured out who I was speaking with. Now, please let me know what it is you want included, right? What message you have. So it was a very interesting experience. And it was a fun time. It was a fun time doing it to meet so many new animals. And then just to revisit with ones in the past, you know, that I've worked with before. Mm-hmm. Because when I when you think of a species as a whole, you might have a certain stereotypical analysis of what that species might be, right? Are they fast? Are they slow? And so you see something and you might think, oh, they're going to tell me about, you know, now's the time to get things done because this is a very fast animal. You might think that. But what that animal will say is now's the time to slow down. You can get to this, the end game, any number of ways, but don't rush this. And I think... I think of you as a very rushy, <laughs> you're a lizard, you move a lot, you know? and, uh, and, and they'll be like, no, Gecko's like, no, 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 this isn't about yeah. here, this is about agility, and yes, I'm an agile creature, but so, but slow down, there's many ways you can get to this end goal, and so I do, yeah, so that's a, a tough question, but I do know they've surprised me, what I've thought perhaps was going to be the message was based based on what I was stereotyping the animal to be right has oftentimes been not the message at all they're like listen up Kristen (laughs) that's not what we're trying to say (laughs) but it's that same clarity that you get from the angelic realm it's like okay I'm shutting it down I'm just listening I'm completely and fully the messenger whereas it almost feels with the animals it was more interactive Definitely. Yeah. And I always took that to mean because I was trying to put the puzzle together because I went to a very specific place that spirit showed me where I would meet spirit animals. Right. So I just went there and you go with the intent of I'm looking for these animals and I'm looking for their messages. And I love that you you said you set the intention and you go to a specific place to meet them because that's important that that you know how to get there. And even right now, if you were struggling in your own life, you could say, I wonder what animal wants to help me. You could go to that space and meet someone there for your own personal work, as well as for doing this for someone else, which I think is, is incredible. I try to treat my clients that same way. I don't want to assume because you're coming to me, say, as a Christian, that you're not going to be open to this because you might be open to this. And I've had that happen before where people will kind of ask me a question, and then I'll, I'll respond as a, a metaphysical practitioner. And they'll kind of, and then they'll come back months later and say, you know what, 
I don't think I would have accomplished this if you hadn't told me that, you know, months ago, you know, and so you just try to plant the seed. You just try to kind of get out there. Back when I first started doing it, I censored myself a lot more. And now I just sort of, when I'm talking them at the end of a session or after a session, I try to ask spirit, let me say what they need to hear. Other, you know, if Mother Teresa was in the room with me, you know, if a hummingbird was in the room with me, what do I need to say to this person to get them to the next place? Because maybe they don't need to hear all of it. Maybe they needed to feel all of it, but maybe they don't need to hear all of it. And I try to rely on spirit to just guide my words at that point. And then I, I make peace with it. You know, once they step out of the room, I make peace with what I said, with what happened and their reaction. Like you said, free will is a thing. Their reaction is their own. Yes. You know? Yes. And that's one of the things before I open up to do work for the day is I, that's part of my opening up is to ask please let me bring through the words that will most and blah, 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 because I don't want it to be me. I want to be the messenger. I want it to come through me, not from me. And it sounds like you're exemplifying that beautifully in your writing, in your work with the angel poems, in your work with the spirit animals, in your uh, Reiki and massage practice. So you have these beautiful new books coming up. Where can people find like a compass in her bones? Because I've I think it's a quick read. You'll love this book. Just uh, I want people to enjoy it as much as I did. Thank you so much. Um, right now it is available online. So you could get it on Amazon or you could get it online at Barnes and Noble. So either okay, of those beautiful. places. Yeah. And will, will that also be the case with the new works that are coming up? Yeah, that should be. I don't know if it'll be on Barnes and Noble. Um, I would have to talk to Susie about that, but that one will definitely be on Amazon as part of the pocketbook series, but you could buy it. You'll be able to buy it individually, Um, but that one will be short too, you know, very, very unassuming that, you know, we're not looking to stress people out. We're looking to, you know, get a little sliver in there. Well, and I think that that's really important because time is, as we were speaking about before we started to record, time is just so bizarre right now. And having something that you can read in one or two sittings or that you can read a few pages or read, that's you're still getting that need fulfilled within yourself to go into that other world and fall into a story without saying, oh my goodness, this is going to take me eight months to get through. I mean, I'm an avid reader, but even I listen to more and more audiobooks as time goes on, because even just picking up that book sometimes feels like, it feels like I might be setting myself up for failure. I might never finish this, even if I love it. And it, it, I know it's, yeah, we're, we're in this weird, we are, we're in this weird transition period where it's so easy to be overwhelmed by things that might occupy big blocks of time. The novelette, I want to say it's like 80 pages. Yes. Most people can read it in a couple hours. I'm a yeah. slow reader. I, I took me three hours to read it. Yeah. And I wrote the thing. So I don't know. <laughs> but other people are saying two hours. I'm a, I'm a slow reader. But uh, yeah, two to three hours and you'll be through it. And yeah. And well, then carry on with your life, you know. And where can people find you if they're interested in an angel reading or a spirit animal session? Or where can we send them to you? Yeah. Yeah, if you're into um, 
yeah, if you're looking for anything like that, that the angel poems, the spirit animal readings, you could probably go to my website for the metaphysical spa that I, I own. So that's called Healer Stone. So that's just www.healers, H-E-A-L-E-R-S-S-T-O-N-E. So there's two S's, healersstone.com. And then you just go to a, my contact page because otherwise you're going to be uh, scheduling a massage in my personal practice. Mm-hmm. But for the virtual services, you go to my contact page and then just send me a quick note that says you're looking for an angel poem or you're looking for a spirit animal reading. And uh, you can access me there. If you're on Instagram, I'm at Kristen Kaz Writes. So K-R-I-S-T-I-N-K-O-Z-W-R-I-T-E-S. So Kristen Kaz Writes. And you could get to my link tree there, which then could definitely take you to like my website or um, the contact page for the angel poems or the um, spirit animal readings. Is there a separate site? devoted to just your writing? Yes, I have a very small in-progress website, um, which is uh, Kristen Kozlowski Writes, again, W-R-I-T-E-S. So Kristen Kozlowski Writes dot wordpress.com. So it's a very small WordPress site. um, And you can read, I wrote flash fiction for a lot of years. There's links to everything that you could read online there if you want to just get your toes wet. If you're into reading short things, I've written a million short things. So (laughs) you could access that. And then there'll be information um, there as well for, um, for the books. So beautiful, beautiful. And I'll make sure there's links to all of that in the show notes. Thank you so very much for doing this with me. I, you're fascinating. You, I can feel how much you love what you're doing you're a huge light in the world and I'm so, so grateful we got to spend this time together. So thank you. Thank you for having me. This is, it's been wonderful. And I mean what I said in the acknowledgement section, Denise, like you really put me on a path to listen to spirit and be a good listener of spirit. And I, I appreciate you for doing that. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. I'm going to cry. But again, that's a beautiful, beautiful reminder to everyone that, Sometimes we'll say things or do things and we don't even know the impact it's having on someone else. But if you step into your truth and your power and what you really came here to do, you're going to cause a ripple effect in ways you may not ever, ever realize. So please step up and just be you. And that's exactly what we all need right now. And if you're looking for some amazing writing or services, remember to to take a peek at Kristen's work and take care. It's been a pleasure. 